Hello, everybody. Just like to welcome you to another episode of This Is Life with Jamie Thorne. My guest today was my stepsister, Danielle Jeffrey, a.k.a. Danielle Bud, and her boyfriend, John Glinsman. I think that was the correct way to say it, but probably not. Anyways, uh, it was a great time actually catching up with family and sitting down with her boyfriend, John, and getting to know him a little bit. Uh, and the reason why I had John on is because he just finished a hundred mile race or a hundred mile ultra marathon. And we talked a lot about that. And then we talked a lot about, uh, what Danielle did, um, growing up and the things she struggled with and what she continues to do to better herself. So I hope you guys enjoy this conversation. So a quick couple of shout outs before we get started to Mike and Steve at Apex Grant and Tile located in Langley. They do my countertops for my renovation company. Check out their Instagram page at Apex Granite and also their website, apexgranite.com. To the Hyperice Hypervolt, my personal massage gun. I use it every day to loosen up tight muscles and it works wonders. So check it out online. To the Iron Neck, it is a neck, a neck strengthening uh, tool that you can use in the gym. And it helped eliminate headaches for myself. So look up uh, Iron Neck online and I can save you a 10% discount if you decide to purchase one. To Canprev, they are the supplement company, uh, the magnesium and the zinc that I take daily. And magnesium is probably one of the most important supplements you can take. Just look up magnesium benefits and there's about 800 different things it does in the body. So get on it. To Adam Mulford on Instagram, he is my kinesiologist I go see. His company is APX Performance, so just look up Adam Mulford on Instagram and give him a DM. And to Mark, uh, his facility is called Rebound Sport and Spine. They are located in Langley, and, uh, and at his facility, he offers chiropractic, RMT, concussion management, laser therapy, physio, and kinesiology. It's a lot under one roof, so it's a great place to go to. So yeah, I hope you guys enjoy this conversation with Danielle and John, and I'll catch you on the next one. Cheers. All right. Well, first off, I'd like to thank you for coming. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers to Danielle and John. John Glinsman. Right? I said it right. Pretty close. <laughs> well, right. How do you say it better? Glinsman. Glinsman. Yeah. And then stepsister Danielle Bud is on. We just uh <laughs> Jeffrey. Oh, I've been you're Bud for a few you years. probably switch back. <laughs> um, <laughs> um yeah, we just did the hot cold therapy. And uh what'd you think? It was amazing. Was it good? I already knew I would like it, though. John was going full tilt in the sauna. He was good. <laughs> yeah, indeed I was. <laughs> yeah. What did you think of the freezer? It's a little, little narrow in there. Yeah, it's uh, tight. <laughs> There's a new one coming, hopefully soon. And it looks amazing. Yeah. Be launching that probably next year. So keep out. Um, how did it feel getting in there? I didn't get it here. Your experience in there. Me? Yeah. It's totally good. fine. Yeah. yeah. I used to uh, jump into a frozen lake in Sweden, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You see a lot more people doing it, too. Like, there's a, like I, I don't go on Facebook too much, but people tag me and stuff, where there's, like, some girl now, I think, I think my friend of mine tagged me. She's, like, in Sweden or something, mm -hmm. and literally just, they cut, like, a huge rectangle in the oh ice, yeah. and she just swims back and forth in it. Yeah. And she's just, like, do, 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 like, nothing, and I'm, like, 
That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Like it's tough to do. Like it's not. I've never been in like a. I, I'd love to do that one day. Is like cut the snow out or whatever, or go to a lake where it's pretty much frozen, but like you can be able to break through. And Does it ever around. freeze at the lake? That no, no, okay. no. That lake's way too big to freeze. Okay. It doesn't get cold enough in like the lower mainland Sunshine Coast for like okay. a huge lake to freeze. Like freeze. But so, John, I wanted to talk to you about your uh, hundred miler. Yes, race. There we go. <laughs> you got the mic figured out. Yeah, it was kind of drooping down there. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah. I don't know. These these things are good, like like obviously not the best, but um. So what was the reasoning for the hundred mile race? Really, I I came across this race a long time ago, um, probably in two thousand and five. I was hiking the Colorado Trail, and back then ultras weren't really a thing. You know, it wasn't something that was really well known about. And yeah. So I'm just in the middle of nowhere this area called Twin Lakes and suddenly I just see all these people like going by with flashlights and you know running bibs and yeah it's like you know what is going on here and it's this hundred mile race and you know I hadn't even run a marathon at that point in mm-hmm. time and so it just blew my mind that <laughs> this existed like people, people want to do that yeah <laughs> it's crazy. and uh, yeah that kind of <laughs> started it just planted, planted some kind of seed so did you start with like smaller like did you like okay well I need to get in the physical shape, obviously. Did you have any, like, issues in your body that you sort of needed to fix first? Like, oh, sore knee, hips, tight muscles here. Like, is running 100 miles on your body is, like, super intense. So I imagine you'd want to balance your body out, strengthen it, and then attempt these runs. Were you pretty well maintained before? <laughs> Danielle's laughing. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't do any of that. No? <laughs> you just went for it? Prescribed um, to the born to run. Pretty, pretty much, <laughs> I, yeah, I yeah. <laughs> I've, I mean, I've done a lot of running in my life, and uh, I've run just like uh, things like the Pikes Peak um, Marathon, not the actual race, but I've just ran up the mountain twice. It's a 14er in Colorado that is about a marathon length if you run to the top and bottom. Yeah, and uh, you know, I guess I just I have good, good, good genetics. Good genetics, yeah. That's a good thing. <laughs> good knees. <laughs> so, how was the body during that race? Um, body was, was doing well. Yeah. Um, I, I ran into some GI issues during the race, which I wasn't expecting. Hmm. Uh, basically I think I overcompensated because the first time that I did the Leadville, I, I got these cramps, which I just, you know, I've never experienced those before. And uh, it was like, even my arms were cramping my, my biceps oh, and wow. that just made it. So I didn't finish the race basically. Um, so Damn. this time I overcompensated and I think I did too much sodium <laughs> to oh, try yeah. to prevent from cramping and that just brought on some GI issues. So do you have like salt tab, like pills and stuff like that? I had all kinds of <laughs> various forms of <laughs> sodium <laughs> that <laughs> Daniel he re- helped. Yeah. <laughs> he really wanted to start with real food. So we packed him full of, what was it like bacon and. Yeah. F- foods that had lots of sodium in them. Like mm-hmm. yeah. Bacon and avocados. I think. Yeah. We covered them in salt. Well, you're high fat too, yeah. which is yeah. like good for the joints when you're running mm-hmm. and the protein yeah. of course. And mm-hmm. then salt. Yeah. Well, I guess that's a but pretty good. But we did good that plus electrolyte drinks, plus salt stick tabs and it was so just, just overdid it. Which maybe if he had practiced and kind of figured out the right balance, but it was a bit of a crazy summer leading up to it. So just kind of went for it on the run and that maybe wasn't the best choice. <laughs> well, I, I learned as I was going, it wasn't the best choice, but, <laughs> but you still finished it anyways. Still managed to finish it. Yeah. Uh, it was really, yeah, quite a miracle that I, <laughs> that I pulled it off Yeah, in the end. Yeah. So 
Is there like a time that you had to finish it in, like the 100 miles? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I've learned, one thing I've learned about Leadville, there's other um, big ultras out there that have huge ascents and descents to them. Yeah. But Leadville, um, so it's a 30-hour cutoff. Mm -hmm. And I guess that's actually a pretty tight cutoff for this particular race, especially because some of the first um, time cutoffs you have to make are actually pretty tight. And so um, a, a person who actually ended up pacing me told me he's done it like several times and just hasn't made it <laughs> certain, oh, you know, to certain points because it's just such quick and close yeah. time cutoffs. So what's the terrain like on that run? Yeah, so it's um, it, you start in Leadville, which is Denver's called the Mile High City. Leadville's the two mile high city. So you're starting at ten thousand feet, and then you go up three passes basically. Um, wow. you go up Sugarloaf Pass, and then another pass, and then you go up um, Hope Pass, which is kind of the crux of the course. So did you? I guess when you're training, you're training closely by sea level, and then you go run a marathon. You're like ten thousand feet. Mm-hmm. Like, did you notice like your lungs like oof? Like struggling a little more? Yeah, I since I'm from Colorado, I don't usually oh, have that okay, kind of a problem. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, other people talk about that. <laughs> yeah, because I imagine that's an issue. Most people, a, yeah, most people talk about the altitude being a, a big factor of this race. Yeah, because like, do you follow like, uh, was it, is it Zach Bitter? No, I don't. No, because I, I think I think his name's Zach Bitter. He did he did a hundred mile run. And each mile was seven minutes, and he kept that stride the whole time, mm-hmm. which is like <laughs> that's <laughs> unfathomable to think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you're like full tilt yeah. for a hundred miles, doing seven minute miles. Huh. Wow, yeah. I've not heard of that, but yeah. that's that's remarkable. Yeah. Do you know what the finishers at Leadville? What their average pace is? Isn't it around? It's eight more minutes? like around like ten. You know, under ten minutes is yeah. like an amazing pace. Like if, yeah, if you could do like nine minutes, that's incredible. But yeah. seven minutes is yeah. You should look him up. Wow. Like it's I listened to him wow. on a podcast. I think it was Lex Friedman's podcast, mm-hmm. and uh, it's just it's so crazy. It's just so cr- when you listen to someone like that's at that level, you're like, man, like how did you get there? Did you get there? Mm-hmm. Like, it, and so this um, race that he's doing. It's like more flat. Yeah, I think so. Okay. It's that he just has yeah. like the record. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not doing like up down. I don't think it's anything like that. I think it's just like straight flat, which is still like insane. Mm-hmm. Like it's still nuts. <laughs> I think it might have actually been around a track. Oh mm-hmm. my gosh, for a hundred miles. Yeah, that's awesome. I think I might. I may oh be God. wrong. I would have to. I'd have to look into it again. <laughs> but which yeah, is yeah, it's horrible. insane. <laughs> it's insane to do that. Or like you know, like like Cameron Haynes, he does a marathon a day. He runs a marathon a day. <laughs> you know it's like I, I i look at guys like that and even yourself like it doesn't sound like you you didn't prepare for like a year leading up to this you're on your macros you're running a certain amount of kilometers a day like there's guys that get like super scientific with it mm-hmm. and then yeah. there's guys where it's like it's yeah just i'm just gonna go do it you know it's which is like crazy to me <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i think that comes down to individual physiology somewhat uh i think what i've learned too is that uh, it's really easy to overthink these runs. Mm-hmm. J- it's just really easy to try to just have this like perfect race stat- strategy plan. Because it all goes out the window so easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like a, a, yeah. a Leadville for sure it does. It, this is just a, a race that seems to do that to people. Um, you'll hear lots of people have these like really elaborate plans for their calories and then <laughs> just like Go, yeah. you know, potatoes, 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 potatoes. Yeah, potatoes. just throwing back calories. <laughs> well, cause I, like, do you, I guess, did you even know how many calories you'd roughly burn in the 100 miles? Did you know uh, any of that? I'm forgetting. It's an incredible it amount. 
because the, wasn't it around ten thousand? It's gotta be more than that. It's more. Or were than you that. trying to take? Maybe you were trying to take in. It's more than that. I think I was. I'm forgetting. I should have looked over. This, You'd be like I think stupid it's like, high. I thought it was ten to twelve thousand because then you were trying to make back That's at least maybe half and trying to get five thousand in, which yeah. felt like a lot. No, it's way more than that. Because I burned four thousand a day just w- walking. Yeah. So there's no way it's more than it's some ridiculous amount. Mm-hmm. You'd be you like thirty thousand calories. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's it's yeah it's closer to that. It's like okay. maybe ten thousand is what I can like digest or fourteen thousand or something like that. Huh. Over the course of the, I mean it's a ridiculous amount of calories. Yeah. See that's okay. where you'd want to like wear an aura ring or like an Apple Watch. Be like how many steps did you do? I guess <laughs> <laughs> <Like laughs> uh, it'd be intense. What did you track on your watch? The steps. You, I have what no do you track idea. on there? What What do I track yeah. when I'm when mainly the main thing I use the watch for is just the pace to make okay. sure that I'm not going too fast or too slow. And honestly, I think I could probably manage that without the watch, even. Mm-hmm. You know, but yeah, people used to do it without watches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's I think cool, that can though. be another thing that just gets in your head. You know, mm-hmm. you're just constantly checking the watch mm-hmm. and just just run. Yeah. yeah. Did you sleep? No, I, I mean, <laughs> I was like kind of falling asleep at this really tough part of the course. Um, so there's Sugarloaf Pass is kind of the one of the first passes that you hit going out. And the way that Leadville works is it's an out and back. So you do these three passes and turn back. Mm-hmm. And on the way back doing Sugarloaf, it's just horrible because it's all downhill, this like really nice downhill section on the way out. But coming back, it's just this awful uphill slog. And it's yeah. like, you know, four in the morning or something. And I was just, I was literally, like, I think, like, sleepwalking up this thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, jeez. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I know that, have you heard of that Moab 240? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, you know, Courtney DeWalter? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, like, she, I think I, I listened to a podcast with her, and she was saying she slept for, like, a minute, mm-hmm. I think. It was still, like, eight hours ahead of second place. Eight like hours it, ahead. Hey, wow. Eight hours ahead of the second place. Wow. She like she destroyed that race. Yeah, see, like, most people it. on that one definitely sleep. They have sleep stations set up. I yeah, thought I they even so. required sleep. I thought that um, not when you're an animal. Joey like that. was telling me that. Huh, like, interesting. Like, so yeah, and like you're going through like desert, aren't you too? In the Moab two forty, I think. Oh yeah, yeah. Mo- yeah you, have you been to Moab? No. Yeah, I mean it's like extreme desert out there. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be so intense. Mm-hmm. Like the runs I used to do were like seek the peak, and that was from like. Ampleside Park <laughs> at North Van through Cap Trails up Capilano Road to the grind. Then you'd do the grind and then you'd hike to the top of Grouse and then back to the lodge. Yeah. But that was only like 16K. Mm-hmm. But it like it's uphill trail running the whole time. Mm-hmm. And the grind is like no joke. Like it's it'll burn you down pretty quick. But that's like the toughest things probably I've ever done. But nothing like a 100 miler. That'd be intense. I, I've done the grouse grind. It's a it's a good grind. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sure. You see the break at the trees at the end. You're like, oh, yes. Like I remember training for it, and my buddy Cody, he used to run it uh, with his hockey team all the time. And I was like, dude, I'm gonna run this thing. And he's just like, don't. You, you're gonna start right at the beginning, and you're gonna take off. And you're gonna be your quads are gonna be hooped in like two three minutes. And he was right. I took off oh, best shape of my life <laughs> and all of a sudden everything just started slowing down. I was like, Oh, okay, yeah, no. <laughs> I can't you can't run that. But I know I think the record for the grind I think is like under twenty minutes. I think it's something like that. Yeah, that's that's fast. Yeah. Um I want you to give us some visuals so people can kind of get an idea of what it's like. Like what did you run through? You ran through snow at one point, right? Oh, what Leadville is yeah, like? Yeah, run running through rivers. Um 
there might have been a patch of snow somewhere. I don't know. I mean, so these are um, these mountains are um, they're pretty barren because they're high, you know, so they're above tree line. Mm -hmm. And um, you kind of go up and down three passes and the lowest point. Yeah, you cross this river and that's at Twin Lakes. Um, And it's just um, I I love that terrain. It's just this, uh, you know, mixture of granite and uh, um, yeah, just these like really big pushed up peaks. There's a lot of mining in the area. So there's, you know, mineral colors and things like that. And, um, yeah, it's, it's my kind of terrain. It's, yeah. <laughs> well, it's like such a beautiful run, but yeah. then like you're focused on like getting to the end. You're like, I just want to look at stuff. <laughs> you're like, no, I got to get to the end. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so hope pass is the crux of the course and it's really beautiful. Um, but I've only ever done it. Like I did it as a training run once for this run. And then I've done it twice when I've attempted the, the race. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> it's like both times I did that, I was just like, ah, I'd really like to just stop and enjoy this. Yeah. Uh, what type of shoes were you running in? Uh, these ones right here. So these are New Balance Fresh Foam. Oh, yeah. Um, I honestly, I p- this was another thing I probably shouldn't have done, but I bought these like the <laughs> week before the race. Oh, so you weren't even broken <laughs> so yet. <laughs> they weren't really broken in. And I... Um, the other shoes I had, it just it was a crazy summer. I just I should have gotten these shoes sooner, but I just didn't. And the other shoes were just I don't know, Daniel was probably laughing at them, but I was like, you know, gluing them together and <laughs> things like that with shoe goo. So did you look into like Hoka or, yeah. or anything like that? Like actual like more of a I guess long distance shoe or anything? These these ones are. These are, are, they? are yeah, these are meant to be like ultra type of long distance shoes. Yeah. Um I tried on all kinds of ones. I honestly got these ones because I, I have read Born to Run, and I really actually do think there's something to this idea of just our feet naturally do what you need them to do for running. Yeah. And so having a shoe that's, like, a little bit more bendy, you know, a little bit softer, not, like, stiff, um, I've found, for me anyways, that, that does seem to do something. So I just yeah. tried on every shoe that was kind of meant to, you know, be a long-distance shoe, and these ones felt like they were. Should have ran a minimalist shoe. Yeah, a good <laughs> way to screw your feet up. Yeah, though, I, think. I haven't uh, haven't quite gone that far with that, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, because like you know, I had a uh, a buddy Wade on. He's a running coach, and mm-hmm. we talked all about like what happened in the I think late '60s, early '70s when Nike brought out like the higher heel, and it changed the way people run because you're supposed to run like landing on like the front of your foot, not the back of yeah. your foot, because your foot's a natural spring. Like when you sprint, you're not running on your heels sprinting, right? Right. So it's like when you do like these huge runs and people were in such thick foams. It's like, you're almost like, what do you, what do you say again? It's like your foot's in like a cast. Mm-hmm. He's like, it's not meant to be in a, in a shoe. He's like, but if you, I think Vibram's almost got sued. I think they did get sued because people started developing like major problems with their feet because they you know, jump in these middle of the shoes and just go for runs. All of a sudden they, everyone's fighting like fanta, uh, fascia plantaritis. Oh, yeah. Fasciitis. Fasciitis, yeah. Because like <laughs> your feet are so weak, right? Just from being in shoes all day. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you go into a middle issue and all of a sudden your foot's just like dying. Mm-hmm. There's nothing strong, nothing's like that at all. So, <laughs> Yeah, I'm just remembering. I, I, I was going to do the Leadville 100 the previous summer, but it got canceled because of COVID. And I, <laughs> having this conversation now, I'm remembering that I actually did do some runs just in my bare feet. Mm-hmm. How'd that feel? <laughs> and uh, it was great, like in in the desert and everything like that. <laughs> I was in Albuquerque at the time. Albuquerque, and, uh, New Mexico. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> must have been hot on uh, the feet. It started because I showed up to go running, and I had gone out in my flip flops, 
Yeah. And had just forgot my shoes. <laughs> so I showed up. And You're was like, like, whatever, well, let's just run a bare feet. Yeah. yeah, I started running in the flip-flops and was like, yeah, I'll just take them off. And, yeah. It feels good, though, to like run with nothing yeah. on. Like, I try not to wear shoes around like the house at all or if I'm outside and stuff like I've like cut the lawn with no shoes before. I'm like, I don't know how safe this is. But I'm like, whatever. Yeah. It feels better. Like you're grounded. They yeah. say, you know, you're supposed to not wear your shoes all the time. Yeah. And it, it actually helps build the, the bone structure in your foot better too. Yeah. That's why it's always good for like little kids to be in bare feet. Yeah. And jumping, mm-hmm. jumping and hitting the ground and building up bow density and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. 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 So, um, so what was it like to finally get through that finish line after a hundred miles? I, it was such a crazy experience. The last, um, basically the last, um, aid station to the finish line for me mm-hmm. that I just, I just got into some kind of just super focus. Like, I don't even know. This is the fun <laughs> part. You got to tell this part. I want to uh, hear some of your favorite like memories of the whole thing. But okay. I also want you to tell the whole story. Yeah. Okay. Part. Well, so I didn't do a good job answering the question. Like I was just so, um, in this zone, this m- mode that I mm-hmm. got myself into to finish the race that, it was almost like, like I was like joyed and everything like that. But I also, I think I just had so much adrenaline going through me. Yeah. That it was almost like I couldn't, you know, just, you know. Take in what yeah. was happening. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, to tell, yeah. So to tell the story, um, I had been kind of down to the wire because of these GI issues. And there's just like several points during the race where I was looking at the reality of the math. And yeah. like, there's no way I'm going to make it to the next cutoff. You know, I'd have to do what I just did faster. And um, I basically made it to Twin Lakes Outbound, which was um, that was where I didn't make it last time because of my just the cramps that I had. And once you make it there, it's you're basically most people, if you're if you're not one of these like super athlete runners, you're probably doing this section at night. Yeah. And so um, and Danielle was amazing and had found this uh, pacer for me that was going into the night. But so, yeah, I. um you can relax a little bit because you can start to walk because they, they kind of change some of the cutoff times. It's a little bit more relaxed. Uh, but somehow that Sugarloaf Pass just really, um, that just took forever coming back. Like I said, I was like kind of falling asleep on it. And then suddenly it was like we had plenty of time to get to this aid station. And then suddenly it was like we didn't. It was the it was and the final aid station. It's the final aid station. It's called May Queen. And if and you've already run like what eighty six miles at that point. Yeah, so it's twelve, so eighty eight miles once okay. you get there. Yeah, so it's like you really want to finish the race now if you don't. Make yeah, that you're, so last you're like so off, close. You'd be so yeah, mad. yeah. <laughs> you've just done eighty eight miles. Yeah, so, but so this was like torture. We get up to the top of Sugarloaf Pass, which just takes forever, and then we're even running, and. Um, we can hear like down below us because just the way the race is set up, you can hear this aid station making, you can hear people going through. It's like we can, we know it's close, but somehow the course is just designed in this torturous way where it just goes all around it, but it doesn't go down to it. And so we had been running um, and like watching time. And I'm trying to remember what time it was. Supposed to, I think it was like six 30 that I was supposed to make it to this cutoff. Yes. You, just, had a, you had a cross. We're just it at like, yeah, we're just watching and, you know, it's like getting really close to 6.30. And then suddenly, like, we're just running the whole time, and it's like 17 minutes goes past, you know. It's like 6, um, like, 47. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I come running in, and I see Danielle, and people are, like, you know, kind of clapping. Yeah. And um, this guy, just race official guy, just comes up and just crosses his arms, and he's like, no. 
it's, race is done. Race you didn't is done. make it. Yeah. And, but other volunteers that are hanging out here are like, keep um, going. Yeah. Keep going. Keep going. It's not and cut off till the cutoff queen says it. Yeah. And so they're like, um, Sandy makes the final decision. And so, and then like Joey's cheering me on, this pacer, and Danielle's cheering me on. And so I just keep going, you know, because like everyone's telling me to keep going. And this um, person, Sandy, like, you know, wasn't, wasn't there. And uh, so, um, so I just keep going. And I don't know if you want to jump in here. Yeah, Daniel, sure. You're okay. <laughs> the, so the backstory is kind of a little bit more fun because you don't know what's happening in the background. But um, this one's like middle of the night. And it, I, I knew on my end that Joey, this guy that, that paced him from kind of, is that the halfway point? No. No. This, no. this was the first okay. year they didn't allow you to have a pacer right. from 50. So you had to pick him up at 62 miles. Okay. So a pacer is somebody that can run with you the rest of the way, keep your pace what it should be to finish on time. Okay. Also encourage you because at this point you probably feel a little bit yeah, like you got an empty tank. Yep. Yeah. And you're going into this in pitch black at night. So um, I knew this random guy, Joey, he's run Leadville before and he was excited about it. So he just showed up in the middle of the night and was like, I'll be here to pace if somebody wants me. But he only wanted to do, I think, a marathon. Like he only wanted to run twenty-four. Well, twenty. It's like twenty-six and a half yeah. miles. But yeah. it's so too, that's as far as he wanted to go to May Queen, basically. Yep. He didn't want to go any further. So then it was like, ah, shoot, we got to find somebody for John for the last twelve miles, or that just sucks. So I got to May Queen at like four thirty in the morning, probably, and was hoping to find another pacer there. Um, so, you know, it's like two hours in the middle of the night waiting, all these runners coming through and knowing that the cutoff's at 6.30. But I think I expected you, just with our calculations of time and when you left the other one, that you'd come through at like 6.15. So thinking like, ah, oh, shoot, this is going to be close, but he'll probably make it 15 minutes before the cutoff. Mm-hmm. And so 6, you know, 6, I'm on high alert watching 6.15. Ah, where is he? Six Stressing out. 6.20, 6.25, 6.30, yeah. where is he? Um and just the the energy that starts happening at this time, right? Because it's the final cutoff, and people are really hoping their people are going to get through. So it starts to feel pretty intense. Um, and there's this gal named Sandy. She's known as the cutoff queen. Uh, that's just because she's one of the race officials, and she's the one that kind of she gets to be the one that says done. You mm-hmm. may no go. You may not go any further. So Sandy shows up at six thirty. She's standing there cheering on the last few people. And then it's like 6.35, and she's still letting them go. Um, And I think at like 6.38, I think it was like about eight minutes past, she's kind of like, yeah, okay, we're done. And she walks from from that cutoff spot and um, cheers everybody on. And then so she's called it. So now they start unpacking the tent, and they turned off the time strip. Um, And so there was me and another family. There's three people waiting um, for their runners, and it was like, like, where's the fuck is John? Yeah, and, and, <laughs> and, and the conversation between us is, what do you say? Like, what do you say when you see your runner now? Because we know you they're failed. not they're not getting <laughs> They've just, around around go they just gone 88 miles. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> they're not going any farther. Oh, man. Um, and the other couple was like, well, I'm just going to tell them to keep going. And I was For like, sure. Oh, I'm going to yeah. tell them to keep going. <laughs> so when they finally came through, that was kind of the position I took. Um, but... Yeah, it was really confusing for John because half the people are... Well, no, I guess everybody was cheering you on, really, right? Basically, besides that and one then, guy. And then there's yeah. this one guy. Yeah. And who knows, who is this guy? <laughs> he has this big handlebar mustache. And he's just, no, it's done. You can't go any further. But John blows by him. 
And so the way the course is, he kind of, he runs down the path, but there's this road that meets it. So he keeps going and then suddenly this, and I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm chasing after you because I think I was trying to like, well, I keep you. going. I probably would have, if I was just on my own, I probably would have stopped. And that but everybody sucked. else. But everyone, go, go, Joey's yeah. like, go, yeah, yeah. you're like, go. Yeah. <laughs> These like people that are like volunteers or, they're you know, clapping. The but your mind's they're probably not working they're, they're as going. straight as it should be either. You're like, who am I listening to? Like, okay. <laughs> so he just keeps going. And for some reason I started chasing you. I think it's because there wasn't time to pass you your next supplies. Cause at every aid station, I'd kind of load you up again. Um, so I'm chasing him down the hill, running with him. And then this guy comes running after us, the, this other man who was telling us not to go. And so I kind of get in this conversation with him where Joey and John, they just keep going. And this man's like, he's not in. And so we argued a little bit back and forth. And then he eventually decided to let John be the final runner. What <laughs> so a loser. <laughs> what a loser. <laughs> so what we find out later is he is actually, I'm pretty sure, Sandy's husband. And Sandy wasn't anywhere in sight anymore. I don't like so. Sandy's husband. <laughs> <laughs> but the fun thing was at the at the end so because now he's 18 minutes past john had a haul ass big time to get there which you did right like didn't you say you pretty much passed nobody passed you from i don't think on? a single person passed me yeah. i passed like pretty much everyone. everybody yeah you well, just like got in a running flow and you did not stop well yeah and you you had said something like i needed to be faster than a 17 minute mile yeah. pace and i've got this um gps watch you know but to make a watch last like this long for this type of a race that's mm-hmm. tracking GPS, you know, th- I have this like Sunto watch. It's like one of the only ones that has like the ability to last. It can last like a hundred hours or something like that. Yeah. But it's, then it's like a super inaccurate. Like, oh, it doesn't work as good. Setting. Yeah, yeah. So, so I'm like just wa- looking at my watch and I'm not sure it's like saying all kinds of stuff, you know, and some of it's like worrying, you know? So I just ran at just this like ridiculous pace. And I had just been, mind you, like running the prior hour before that. Yeah. So I just ran the entire like 12 miles, like all the way back to the the finish line, just like passing all these people in um, just with this like, <laughs> this like dead set focus. Like, there's no way. Just like, dead stare. <laughs> like <laughs> after all I've been through, there's no way. Like I have to finish this race. There's no way I'm not finishing. So was that last 10 miles, did it feel like easy or not easy, but like, because you're like in the runner's high, you're pretty much in a runner's high where like you're in the zone, you're going and you just have this stare down the road and all of a sudden your legs are almost running where you're like, how are they doing this right now? Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. You just, you tap into something that is there and that all of us have, you know, we're able to do these incredible things, Mm -hmm. but you know, we don't, we don't do them, you know, on a normal basis. Yeah. And that's what I find like ultra marathon runners, like fascinating. Cause it's like you tap into something that's like, like ancient in you where it's like our ancestors did this all, all the time. Like they would travel around every day. Yeah. It's like yeah. uh-huh. hundred miles ain't shit. Like in the grand scheme of things of what our ancestors used to do. Like you're talking walking across continents. You know? Yeah, it's like the mental thing. I just ran 88 miles, right? So I yeah. shouldn't be able to like run. Yeah, now. I shouldn't be able to run fast now. But why not? Yeah, <laughs> like, like why? Why not just try? You know? See? Yeah. And yeah, I discovered that you know after 88 miles, I could still run. It wasn't pretty running, I don't <laughs> think. But <laughs> your but, form probably you know, wasn't the best. <laughs> um, and it, it, like, if you look at my official times, it's like they're not accurate because I didn't get. Um, 
you know, pinged in for the final aid yeah. station. One of the other ones I stopped like before um, the actual thing for my break. So it didn't record the actual time that I ran the interval in, but um, I think I was running, it must've been somewhere under a 15 minute mile pace or something like that. Yeah. And there's like these kind of uphill sections, you know, at the end that are, that really, you know, people forget about that get you. Yeah. And so, yeah, it was, you know, I didn't know my body was capable of doing that, but. Which I think, it, especially someone like you running this first hundred milers, like you discover all these new things, you know, like, holy shit, I can actually do this. Like not just physically, but like mentally, like mentally is a massive factor when, even when it comes to like, if you're just training every day and all of a sudden you push past something that you lifted and you're like, holy shit, I never thought I could do that. Same sort of thing with running. Like that last 12K or 12 miles, you're like, oh my God, I can't believe there's fuel left in my tank. I can't believe there's like glucose in my muscles still to make them work. You know, it's like, it's amazing stuff. It's really cool. The glucose was a key. Um, I was getting glucose at that point. So. Yeah. I, you know, I was having these GI issues and finally, um, Joey, the pacer, he was amazing and just got these, um, normally you have like the gels, but there's these liquid yeah. ones you can get. Okay. And they're a hundred calories. And, um, I was able to, these liquids you can get down, you know, I, I could get them down really easily and it's just like pure sugar, you know, pure glucose. So. Yeah. I've had those like, uh, like the gels before. Like I've done, I did like yeah. a 22 K run. I went around Campbell Valley park twice. And then say like, I think it's 11k each time you do it, so I did it twice. And I remember hitting like the 15k mark. I'm like, oh man, like I feel like I'm fatiguing a bit. And I sucked back one of these gels. I was like, ding! <laughs> I was like, I think it was like a Vega one or something. But like I couldn't believe the amount of energy like popped back into my system. I was like, holy shit! Y yeah, well, and that's what I learned too. You know, both times that I've done Leadville, I've had these nutrition plans. And um, if I were to do Leadville again, I think I'd be you know who knows it's leadville but I'd, I'd probably be way more set just experience wise yeah um, because i learned like really and truly like after a point you're not going to be digesting any kind of i don't know like you just need glucose really you yeah know, like you can have other things that you're planning on trying to digest but yeah your body is just really going to metabolize glucose yeah because you don't want to eat anything that's like carb heavy and you're like oh like trying to like run and you're sitting it's so heavy yeah. Right? Like it's because I guess when you get to an aid station, like is there just Gatorade, like bars, like what type of food is really at each aid station? Are you or are you responsible, like Danielle being on site with you, like to bring what you want? They have um, both things at aid stations and then you can also have uh, drop bags and leave stuff. Yeah. And then also you can have a crew and the crew can provide you with things. So they, yeah. had a, they had a big variety, though. They had like, you know, these awful instant mashed potatoes, which <laughs> the runners really liked. No, and ramen, hot ramen, which was probably really nice in the cold of night. And then they had like all the normal like yeah. bars and yeah. energy drinks. And But that was another key thing that you discovered was that any sort of drink that wasn't just clear water was not doing well for you. Yeah, I mean, it would have probably worked if I had kind of done better with the sodium levels, mm -hmm. but because I was so just like high on sodium, um, that was a big takeaway for me is you really can listen to your gut on these races. You can really listen to your intuition and just let your body tell you what it wants. I had, I'd known that I just needed pure drinking water, probably to kind of like flush and balance out some of these like sodium levels. Uh, high sodium, and, yeah. And water also helps you metabolize food, you know, so you need to drink water. Um, even just to get energy from other foods. Mm -hmm. But I kept on, like, you know, stupidly having electrolytes because everyone's so worried about that, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah. Make sure you get your electrolytes. You just overwhelm like, your system. 
Yeah. So once I started just drinking pure water, that like made me feel so substantially better. Yeah. And you don't learn that until you make the mistakes like you sort of said you did where you loaded up on too much sodium. Yeah. You're like, oh, okay. Just water's okay. <laughs> At that point, just water was okay. Yeah. Yeah. If I had probably balanced it out, I might have been drinking sodium drinks throughout the, you know, the race. But because like, were, did you feel like starving like every time you like? Because like, cause how often are these check ins? Like, are they every fifteen k, twenty k, whatever it is? Yeah. Well, Leadville's pretty good about having them probably. Is it like twelve to fifteen? Like fifteen would be really far. They're they're okay. no more than ten miles usually, and less like twelve miles is the May Queen one. You know, that's one of the further ones actually because i imagine like but, burning that yeah. amount of calories that you did like did you feel like starving like each you're like i can't wait to get to your booth or you're like i don't want to <laughs> <No. laughs> that's um the weird thing i mean because i had the gi issues i was feeling the opposite actually like i didn't want it was like repulsive to eat interesting <laughs> you know? so i was like trying to force myself to eat um i had um like this prescription <laughs> bar <laughs> and I just made this deal with myself that I was going to make myself eat this by the time I got to the Twin Lakes aid station. Yeah. In <laughs> you the, ran um, in outbound. looking so weird. And <laughs> your mouth was like, what is happening? Are you okay? It was not you going down. You could not suck it down. Yeah, it wasn't going down. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, because I would have thought the that. opposite. Like, <laughs> you know, like, oh, I guess, I don't know. Like, I haven't ran forever just because of, like, knee issues and stuff. But, yeah, I guess I never thought of that. I never felt like eating, I guess, when I was running. Mm. And, like, I'd get thirsty, of course, uh-huh. but, yeah, I guess, yeah. If the more I think about it, yeah, it makes sense. I, I think, so if I were to do Leadville again, I think what I've learned about myself, and this is me, right? I mm-hmm. wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend different. this for someone else, but um, when I first started doing longer runs, like, I, so I used to, I did Pike's Peak a couple times, and I, I laugh looking back at it now because I, I had, like, my, my mom, um, Pike's Peak, you can drive to the top of it. It's a 14,000-foot peak in Colorado. Yeah. But there's a road that goes up the top. And so my mom, the first time I did it, like hiked down from, you know, I don't know, like two miles down from the top and met me with some like Gatorade and grapes and oranges. And yeah. so I got, I got that on the way up <laughs> and then the same on the way down. And that was all I had the yeah. entire, you know, and this is like a mountain that is, you know, marathon length. Yeah. So you're running up and down a mountain. Um, I could do that stuff and it seemed to be okay for me. And I, you know, there's like, there's so many um, nutrition and calorie plans, but I think what I've learned for me is I, I actually can probably be somewhat minimalist, probably just doing those stupid um, like glucose, 100 Power calorie, packs. you know, liquid gel things are probably probably fine for me. Interesting. You know, for a majority of the race, I could probably just do those and be <laughs> be fine. Did you weigh um, yourself before you ran? I didn't. I should have done that. I'd be curious yeah. to see like what you lose would weight. lose. Yeah, you must have like the amount of water weight you probably lost too you lose water weight for sure yeah, yeah. like at least a couple mm-hmm. pounds i would mm-hmm. say you probably under five pounds you'd probably lose if i had to guess he noticed it looking in the mirror the i remember, I remember you said after. something to me oh like, yeah i think i've lost weight <laughs> <laughs> i kind of think six so packs too. coming back <laughs> <laughs> the time in my life yes. when i really lost weight was when i did the colorado trail mm-hmm. that, you know that was what i was talking about at the beginning that was when i first like discovered this leadville 100 race but I was just not getting enough calories. And that was like, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a through hike, you know, so it's a, uh, back then it was 470 miles long. Um, so, and I did that in 33 days, but I, I did not get enough calories and I, I lost like 10 pounds or something like that. Yeah. One of Chaz's good buddies, Nick, who lives down the road, I had Chaz and Nick on and, and Nick is doing that, uh, trail that goes from 
like the tip of Mexico to oh the Continental Divide Trail. Probably. Yeah, it's like forty four hundred kilometers. Mm-hmm. Not the not the Pacific Crest Trail. I, mm, can't remember the name. The tip of Mexico to to like uh, Hope. Hope BC. Yeah. Huh. Is it's that, like twenty two hundred miles. That might be the Pacific Crest Trail. It, I think it is. I think it, yeah, Pacific yeah. Crest. And I think he just. I think the last time I talked to him, I think he just got his permit because you need a permit to do it. Okay. And yeah, he's yeah. he starred in yeah the tip of Mexico, literally like hand on the fence from the U.S. border, huh. and he turn <laughs> head all the way back. <laughs> I think Chaz might meet him like a week out. Or something, and then finish the race with them, hmm. or finish that trail with hmm. them. I'm like, that is crazy. Yeah, like you're, yeah, by yourself for like, I think I it's like under six it? months. I okay. think it's under six months wow. to do it. Holy cow! And I'm like, dude, that's nuts. Like that is so far. Mm-hmm. Like you're hiking across the entire length mm-hmm. of the United States. Yeah. <laughs> like, wow. and apparently you're not you're not allowed to carry a gun because that's what I thought of. Because I was like, man, you're going through like some really <laughs> deep wilderness Wait, shit. <laughs> and it's like I would have like I'm a sure rifle with a me. Bow. Yeah, take an arrow or a knife or something. But I'm excited to like see see when that starts cuz like when I had a on, I was like, man, like it's not even about the physical feat. It's like mental. It's mental. Like being by yourself, getting homesick, if you hurt yourself along the trail. But it, he was saying like he's like, "Well, you're not in the middle of nowhere for long." He's like on that trail. He's like you know, you'll go through a town and like mm-hmm. I might go to Walmart and stock up and you can have like drop bags, like you were saying, along that yeah. whole trail. Mm-hmm. So he's like, but he's like, I still be able, I could sit down at a restaurant halfway through the trip. Yeah. You know, and he's doing it by himself. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, okay, well, talk to me when you get, when you come back. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have him back on after he finishes it. Yeah. So I, I'm super curious because like I said, like physical to mental, like, you know, you're you're in a tent for the fourth month by yourself again mm-hmm. like i said it i thought a cool idea like i gave him i was like you should have a recording of like your wife and your parents and your friends and if you're you're, you're gonna feel like shit you're gonna feel down your body's gonna be so sore mm-hmm. listen to this this might pump you back up hey nick it's jamie here bro thinking of you hit it hard blah 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 it might amp you back up to get up in the morning get motivated again and hit the trail again yeah. you know because that's a trek yeah, it is. Um, yeah, the other one that's really ridiculous is the Continental Divide Trail because you can actually start, I think, in Alaska for that and then hike all the way down. I mean, I think in reality, the trail goes all the way to the tip of South America. I think there's people oh that are like, you know, <laughs> scheming that up. <laughs> to make that work, you have to like figure out routes that are, you know, there's not like a trail the whole way, but yeah. there's definitely like Canada to the Mexico border, There's a there's a trail. And that one, you know, the U.S., um, when I did the Colorado Trail, I discovered you're never that far away from a road. You know, it's, it's yeah, kind of sad. You're just actually, off you know, the like, beaten track or whatever. Yeah. You know, I mean, I had these, like, views that it's just like there's this wilderness and you just, you know, go out. And it's not really the case in the U.S. You know, we, yeah, like, the furthest, I think, the furthest inland you can get, like, from a road is 32 miles, you know. Which is still, direction. like, pretty far. For, like, the most, like, standard person, you're going to be like, oh. God, I'm so far. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like I was recently up in Kamloops working on Katie's parents' property by myself for five days, no cell service unless I drove up to the front gate of the property. So I'm working all day in, in this basement, just like doing framing in the walls and doing a bunch of work. And then I'd come out of the basement and it's just 
like an eerie silence for like days. Mm-hmm. And like, I didn't even have music. I forgot my stereo in the trailer at home. I was like, shit, I just forgot my headphones. I had my phone playing, but it would die in four hours. But like my routine was to like get up, eat, work till lunch, eat, finish work. And then I'd sit on the front balcony with like, a glass of scotch you just sit there and it would be nothing <laughs> no sound like you'd be like birds in the lake maybe a bird would fly by a car would drive by on the main road you could see but it was like dead silence most mm-hmm. of the time and i was like man this Did is you like hear yourself talking to yourself Jamie? oh yeah i spoke i spoke thoughts. into my phone <laughs> i definitely spoke into my phone a few times just like because like it's you start like contemplating everything and you start That's like <laughs> becoming like deep thinker, like by yourself and you're questioning who you're friends with and mm. what your direction is in life and what I do is sustainable. And this is what I want to do for li- like all of a sudden kids, wife, everything just comes like crashing down and you're <laughs> like, whoa, like, <laughs> you know, cause like, like I was saying to you guys in the sauna, like you live so full tilt and most people, you don't know how to slow down. And all of a sudden, mm-hmm. all these emotions and everything come rushing up and hit you. And you're like, holy shit, I never realized why I felt like this. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, you become like a deep thinker. And you're like, holy shit. Yeah. Like, yeah. Maybe there is something wrong with me. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, you start you start like discovering yeah. who uh-huh. you are as a person the longer you're alone. Like, and there's no one around. Yeah. Like, no one. Yeah, I I was um, just with someone recently who made this comment, and I've found it to be true in my life too, but um, that civilization goes about three days deep. So you need like three days to be just like in a wilderness setting. And then after that, and and I've found this to happen for myself, there's something that happens. Your your senses come on in a different way. Mm -hmm. Because all of our senses are all, they're meant to hear birds. They're meant to hear the bark rubbing in the wind. You know, you're meant to feel moss. Yeah. And um, a lot of time we're just not attuned to that. Yeah. You're tuned Um, to just noise, radio, mm -hmm. music, sound of cars, kids talking to someone. So when you get alone in those environments, like you said, it's like a different senses sort of come in. And that's what I found, like, mm-hmm. you know, Chaz just started hunting this year, and we were up, uh, we were in between Fernie and Cranbrook. We were, like, 10 and a half hour drive from here. And we were, like, 11 miles from Montana. Like, we were a trek from here. And that's what I told him. I was like, man, like, the coolest thing about hunting is obviously not just getting a deer or an mm-hmm. elk or whatever you're hunting for. Yeah. It's like when you're in the wilderness and you're, like, full purpose – is to try and hunt something down and kill it and provide your family with meat or whatever it may be. It's like all these primal emotions mm-hmm. come back into your system mm-hmm. where the f- within the first hour, me and Chaz were out. I'm like, isn't this like the best thing ever? He's like, this is so cool. Because you're like talking quietly. You're walking slow. You're looking around. Like mm-hmm. it's all of a sudden, boom, primal instincts come back. And they're in everyone. They're in all of us because we wouldn't be here unless our ancestors were successful. Mm-hmm. If you were weak, you didn't. Your bloodline didn't live. Mm-hmm. We're the remnants of people that were successful in a hunt and gathering and all that type of shit. You're here because of them, you know. And when you're out in the woods like that, it is the most amazing feeling. And when you're alone for like four or five days, your battery is like back at 100%, you come back home and you're like alive again. Mm. 
and it's like it's an amazing feeling and i can't recommend it enough if i think i, I think i saw a study a while ago it was like once a year for a week go camping don't touch your phone no netflix no tv in the trailer oh, yeah, whatever get, it is get away from the phone get yeah. away mm-hmm. from technology <laughs> yeah and just disconnect because we're not meant to live the sort of life we're living right now like we were never sort of born to be like that right so and that's why there's just so many issues these days with people depression and anxiety and all that type of stuff because all this outside energy coming in at us our brains really didn't develop that like that so we're trying to process this stuff in real time and trying to figure it out and you know take this pill you're fine you know it's like or root back to hot and cold therapy you know what i mean there's a lot of really cool studies coming out with depression and anxiety and all that type of stuff when it comes to hot and cold therapy so go back to your roots of how your body was designed before you take a pill or something like that you know yeah, yeah, we're we're quite anxious beings, really. For you sure, know, like that—that's kind of the way that we developed. Is we're we're meant to be in social groups, and mm-hmm. we're we're meant to have like anxiety about things. You know, that's part of our emotional system that's yeah. meant to keep us alive and keep us in groups functioning. Yeah, we need to worry about each other. We need to worry about how we fit in with the group. But that just you know, in an age of uh, social media, that just goes to a whole nother level (laughs) well then you're worried about a million people thinking about you instead of what's the there's a isn't there a magic number of how many people that you can keep it's like 120 people or something like that i think that's interesting i think yeah Yeah, like in like a small this like in your kind of active yeah in your active life or if you're living in a village like a long time ago it was about 100 or 120 people or whatever it Mm -hmm. was that you're supposed to be living in and then everyone in that community was supposed to have a responsibility yeah. But now as soon as you jump on Facebook, Instagram, it's like all of a sudden that just escalates mm-hmm. to, to millions. Mm-hmm. If you want to promote something and you spend a hundred dollars to promote it, this can be viewed by fifty thousand people mm-hmm. if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. And like most people don't want to be put in the spotlight. Mm-hmm. You know, and you're like, Wah. like that's why there's so many fucking problems these days. Like you turn on a TV show, it's like people live their entire lives on a camera. And they call it reality TV when it's not. It's completely <laughs> fucking scripted bullshit. And it drives me crazy when people watch that shit. It just fucking boggles my mind. <laughs> it drives me nuts. I'm going to go off on a tangent here. So. <laughs> I like your... Um, your um, Sorry for the reality um, viewing <laughs> listeners here. <laughs> <laughs> what what I really enjoy is the like equal depth and intelligent conversation with the amount of fucking shit coming in. <laughs> Like, I try not to swear on this. Oh, you're not doing very well. Yeah, like, <laughs> the conversation I listened to was me and James when we came on. We, we might not be sharing this one with the kids. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, you can share, like, John's experiences on the run. <laughs> That's why there's the letter E <laughs> on the podcast where, yeah, they're swearing. But I think there was a study that came out, too. Like, people that swear more, like, they actually show they, a sign of intelligence. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know if that's true. <laughs> <laughs> maybe but yeah go out into the wilderness be by yourself life gets crazy but yeah yeah Story. yeah um so you can do another race dun, dun, dun. uh you know um I, it's 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 there for me um i think doing leadville really it it put it there for me that I do. I do like to run. Yeah. And it's, I, it, I don't know, being part of these races, it's just such a social thing too. You know, there's such a camaraderie that, um, camaraderie, I mean, that 
is part of it. So mm-hmm. I think I'm going to maybe do some shorter races. I'd yeah. love to even just do like, you know, five mile, 12 <laughs> mile. I don't, after you do 100 miles, even like, you know, doing like 30 miles doesn't feel. Yeah, like I was going to say that that, that doesn't mean like shit. Um, yeah. But some of those runs I think would be a lot of fun. But yeah. my, my real thing is I'm I'm trying to learn how to surf better. That's, uh, oh, that's yeah. my real like big next thing that I'm working on here. That's cool, though, because, like, running, surfing, like, those are solo sports mm-hmm. where it's, like, I'm not relying on anyone. I'm just relying on me. Hmm. That's, see, that's what I really enjoyed about running. It was, like, when I did that Seek the Peak, you could do it in teams of two, three, or four. And I was, like, no, I'm not relying on anybody when it comes to running. Yeah. I'm, like, because no one could do, like, what I, what I was doing, I, none of my friends could do with me at the time. Mm-hmm. I was, like, no. That's, that's true, although I have to say what I discovered really, there's no way, like absolutely no way I would have finished this race for one thing if it wasn't for Danielle, like without a doubt. Like yeah. I finished the race because of her. Um, I also had a coach this year, which I didn't before. His name is Matt Valley. Um, he's incredible. Matt Valley fitness.com i think or something like that <laughs> shout I'll out promote him <laughs> yeah for sure he's that was a good uh, drop <laughs> um, yeah matt you're amazing but yeah without um matt and danielle and joey this mm-hmm. awesome person who just showed up to pace me i mean especially joey was incredible um just what he did i mean he was able to like get me in conversation get me talking he knew so much about he's the one that got me to start taking these liquid gels yeah it I literally saved me <laughs> like I, I don't think i would have finished the race without him like i know i wouldn't have and mm-hmm. danielle found him for me you know danielle also did just an amazing job of crewing me so um and i've you know i'm getting now that i'm getting into surfing i'm trying to do some lessons mm-hmm. well i've been like i've been trying to get into surfing for a long time but i'm trying to really get better at it now yeah and i'm finding it's the same thing you know like i'll yeah I'll, it'll be me that's out there catching the wave but it's like there's no way that would have happened without you know, these people that are supporting me in that. Yeah. And it's cool because you're doing these races and you're meeting people like yourself mm-hmm. that all of a sudden you don't really know much about them, but you have something in common right away mm-hmm. because they showed up to the same race mm-hmm. you did. Right. And that's another little cool thing. It's like you're, you're that community thing again. Like, yeah, I don't know you, but I like you because you're here because yeah. you're do, you're attempting something that you may have never attempted or you're trying again and you're trying to beat your pace from before but I already like you without even knowing you because you're challenging yourself just like me. And that's like another cool thing about it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So I think I'm going to do some more races, but a big part of that is actually just the people (laughs) that are at the races. Have you stayed friends with like anyone you met on that race Uh, or kept in touch? Joey and I like have stayed in touch a little bit, but yeah. um, You know, he lives in Boulder. I live in Bellingham right now. So yeah. yeah. But you know, who knows? I, I would, I would, if I, if I could, and if it was, possible to do it somehow i would totally pace him yeah you know, just because he paced me and i know i wouldn't have done this race i would not have finished without him so well, that's cool it's cool to have help like that bravo danielle oh, yeah. bravo yeah. yes, yes. <laughs> you gotta yes. join him next year then <laughs> on the run be you, his pace you were, setter you were um you know asking about the elevation thing yeah the, the last mile and a half <laughs> i did run with him how'd you do <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, this is really embarrassing, but I can barely run. <laughs> and it's a mile and a half, and he's just run 98.5. <laughs> You're like, come on yeah. now. Let's, let's get a move point, on. At one point, like, Joey turns around, he's like, come on. <laughs> I can't. I can't 
can't breathe. Oh, just, see, that's uh, just an eye-opening <laughs> experience for you, though, at the same time. You're like, oh, maybe I need to start running. But but I can, like, I mean, I'm not a runner, but mm-hmm. I can run. But it, th- there's something about the elevation. Like, I, I could run a mile and a half. Yeah. I do that with the kids often, you know, but, like, there's, <laughs> it's like you're, in the, like, there's no air in your lungs at your, that your elevation. F- your form looks good. It was ridiculous. <laughs> That's hilarious. Your form was good. I guess just not not enough oxygen. Going, Apparently not going. enough oxygen. <laughs> yeah. So where do you surf then? Uh, lately, I've been going to Westport. It's kind of like Washington's surf place. Mm-hmm. I've been to Tofino yeah. once this year. Um, I don't know. Pacific Northwest surfing is cold water, and um, Tofino's great, you know. But yeah, it's not like you know surfing in Hawaii. Yeah, yeah it's nice and warm. Like to worry about sharks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That'd be nice. Yeah, I've always wanted to try surfing. You haven't surfed ever? I don't think so. I think I'd, I, I don't think it'd be, be too, yeah, because I, I snowboard and wakeboard in my whole life. Well, don't you do the special wake surf thing, whatever the Oh, wake surf, or yeah, wake surfing oh, behind that the boat. Would, that would pr- I've never done that. I would it's like fun. To do that. It's super fun. Yeah. You can, like, literally do it having a beer. Yeah. <laughs> You're just, like, what? surfing along. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. You can just, like, someone will th- I've seen so many videos of guys just wake surfing and someone throw a beer and they're chugging beers back. You're telling me I could just jump up and do that? Wake surf by the if you're up if you're out in the boat for like a couple hours you'd be able to do it within like I bet you a half an hour. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. I would like to try that. Um, surfing is by far the hardest sport I've ever tried. It's just, oh really? It is so so hard. Yeah. Uh, I'd be curious to try it just because I snowboarded forever and did wakeboarding and wake surfing and all that. Yeah. But coordination, mm-hmm. something that always came not too bad to me. You should come to Tofino with us next time. Yeah, just the family. No, bring them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then the kids can play. (laughs) And then I can go surfing, too. (laughs) Yeah, get Katie the babysitter. (laughs) No, that's probably not going to be good for her. Katie, don't listen to this. (laughs) (laughs) She doesn't anyways. I'm not voting for that. She doesn't listen to me talk. She's like, I hear enough of it in the house. I'm like, (laughs) touche. Someone asked her that actually the other day. Like, have you listened to it? And she's like, no. Nope. Why would I want to listen to him talk? (laughs) Talks in the house. I'm like, yeah, it makes sense. People have asked me, like, you can get Katie on? I was like, probably not. What are we going to talk about, the kids? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> don't hear that one, Katie. <laughs> Love you. <laughs> nice to have a date night soon, Jamie. <laughs> yeah, hopefully soon enough. I'm not allowed in a restaurant right now. Wait, what? Oh, right, right. Going soon, though, unfortunately. You're going to do it? I have to. I have Why? No other. What's the have to? I want to see my friends. I want to take the kids out on date night. I want to go to the theaters. I want to because you're not allowed to do any of that without. Can't do shit. So wait, I'm going to a movie today. Do I have to show a vaccine card? Yep. Oh, okay. Good to know. Didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. And mentally, I it's exhausting. Mm -hmm. It's fucking exhausting. Mm -hmm. So it's just I've come to a realization where it's not mentally healthy, and I want to see my friends. I want to see my because your friends won't hang out with you. Some of them. Mm-hmm. And I don't blame anyone. No, I, no. Everyone's in a different position in life, and yeah. they get their information from different sources and whatever it may be, but it's whatever people are comfortable with, so I don't judge anyone, mm-hmm. and it is what it is. Mm-hmm. I've sort of put myself in this situation on my own, right? Yeah. So it's, I just had to live with it. Yeah. But now it's just... It's time. It's time, yeah, but a, there's a part of me that just feels like... Um, giving up on what i believe in mm-hmm. and it sucks but life isn't easy how, how come you what what is it that you believe in um i don't believe it's necessary for me 
Um, it's because of health and yeah, because I I go to the extreme to not be sick. And, you know, there's so many arguments against it, but there's so many arguments for it. Mm-hmm. So it's it's just the times we live in. They're very confusing. It depends who you listen to and get your information from. Well, I heard this and I heard this. Mm-hmm. And it's like all over the fucking map. And that's the problem with social media. Who do you trust? Who do you mm-hmm. listen to? You listen to mainstream because mm-hmm. they've been caught lying before. So how can you trust them? Right. So it's just I don't know. It's just a confusing time. But I've come to a realization, Katie and I. So mm-hmm. it's like her mom just had her birthday and everyone went out for dinner. It's like, mm. you can't go. Mm. So yeah. like what type of quality of life do you really want to live? Yeah, that's hard. Yeah. You know, yeah. so it's like it's quality of life. It's mental state. It's seeing your friends like I had T-Max stop by the other day and we sat in here and bullshitted for an hour and a half. And it was weird. After you left, I felt like energized. Yeah, totally. And I was like, this is what I want. Yeah. So why am I putting myself in this situation where I can't be separated from mm. people? Be separated, yeah, mm-hmm. separated from my friends. And Social it's engagement's like very important thing. Very. It's like growing up like <laughs> with a sibling or something, you know. So it's like, it's just what am I fighting against? Mm-hmm. You know, why am I so resistant against it? And mm. the thing that bugs me the most about this whole COVID shit is the lack of information when it comes to health. And that's what drives me nuts. Um, the lack of information about just how to live healthy lives overall. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Like I've seen people on Facebook being like, oh, if you're unvaccinated and you go to the hospital, you shouldn't be treated. And people like I've seen people I know that I went to high school with agree on this. Mm. And I'm like, you're fucked <laughs> for even saying that. <laughs> yeah, I'm swearing again. I don't care. My <laughs> podcast, I do what I want. <laughs> um, but it's like. You can put that on any narrative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's yeah. like 40% of the people that died from COVID were obese. Where is the mm-hmm. outrage on people living healthier, happier lives? Mm-hmm. It's like, you're, you're crazy. 78% of the people in ICU were obese. Mm-hmm. Three to four comorbidity factors. Where is the talk about that? Mm-hmm. It just drives me insane. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it just, it drives me absolutely crazy. Like people have the choice to live shittier lives that become more sick, that strain on the healthcare system. Mm -hmm. And when people are saying, hey, like, I sort of don't want to get this. Technically, it's not a vaccine. It's fucking gene therapy because it wears off. And most vaccines don't do that. Mm -hmm. So people make shittier life choices, which then affects everyone. Do you want to start blaming fat people for a part of COVID? No, we can't fat shame people. That's bad. But they're going to shame people that choose to say no to a vaccine that's brand new. <laughs> to me, that's not right. Mm-hmm. When people say, oh, you're anti-vaxxers, you don't want to get it. I'm like, you're changing the definition behind it. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make sense, and it's not fair. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so I could go off, but, you know, I'm not going to. Yeah. <laughs> no. Because it drives me crazy. I'm on the side of health. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm not, I don't want to. that's a good thing. Stay there. Stay yeah. There. Stay I think it's a positive health, way to look at also. it. You can be both in. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why I promote what I promote on Instagram is mm-hmm. just healthy, happier, well-being lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Because if you're healthy, you sort of know when something's coming. You're like, man, I'm sniffy. I'm tired. I feel like there might be a cold coming on because you're used to feeling good all the time. But if you're unwell, you feel like shit. Mm-hmm. And then something comes on, you don't really know the difference. Mm-hmm. Right? So wouldn't you want to feel better happier because like if you're if you're a healthy person and realize 
what type of food you're ingesting in your body and the exercise and everything that only makes you most of the time, I'm putting an umbrella over this, but a more positive person, which reflects onto everyone around you. If your shitty lifestyle and negative attitude goes on to people around you, you sort of incorporate that in your life. But if you're happy, healthier, positive person, you promote that. And there's people around you might not be like, oh, shit. Like, look how happy Jamie is right now. It's probably because he has a better lifestyle. Maybe I should change the way I eat. Maybe I shouldn't eat fast food. Maybe I should look into saunas. Maybe I should, you know, try something new. Don't let fear and unhealthy choices in your life dictate who you are as a person. Yeah, my bet is those people are also probably struggling with something a little more. So it's not just that easy to make that decision. And that's what I said. I'm putting everything under an umbrella because everybody's situation in life is different. People have gone through crazy scenarios and Mm -hmm. doing the best they can. Mm -hmm. And again, like I'm putting an umbrella over everything, but there's little minute changes you can try and make in your life. Mm -hmm. Like, Like I said to you before, like pills and stuff like that. Like just don't turn to pills right away. Try and solve something with the power of your mental state vent to people, listen to podcasts that have like amazing people on it with amazing new studies like yourself, you know, like try something new. Mm -hmm. Don't let just typical stuff take over. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that's just me. I don't know. It's the eternal flame. (laughs) That's what I said to you before. The Eternals. The Eternals Eternal flame. currently. Have you gone to see it yet? Is it out yet? Yes. It's in the theater right now. I just watched that Shang-Chi <laughs> and the Ten Rings. It was good. I have no idea what you're talking about. It's Marvel stuff. <coughs> I don't know Marvel Anyways, stuff. Danielle, you ready to be put on the spot? Sure. <laughs> Not so trying to be able to answer your questions, but I'll do my best. Um, These are probably things I haven't deeply contemplated. <laughs> so one of the things that I've always wondered Kay. about you, Kay. because we're siblings, yeah. what made you turn towards religion in your life? Mm-hmm. Was there... To find, like, how should I word this? Damn it. I had it perfectly worded in my head and it's gone. To find, a, like, a source of community. Is that why? Yeah. No, no. <coughs> um, this will be interesting for me to answer now because I probably would have answered this quite differently a few years ago. Um, but for me at the time, there was just significant things going on in my life um, and I needed a way to work it through. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was something very comforting about what faith can bring um, and um, it's, it's really hard for me to answer this now because I like hear because well, your mind I has changed so ex- much exactly in the last like I, I yeah I um like now I can see how um like certain ritualistic things like prayer and um, like there's just something very comforting in that um, in that that flow and in that um, I don't know what the word is um, yeah so so for me at the time it was simply there was a lot going on in the family dynamic mm. and there was a lot of anxiety I was feeling and I needed a release. I needed a way to work that through. And that, that was what, where it began for me. Um, now, I always think there's something in me from my being a little girl. Little girl. My mom now tells me I've 
pray and say goodnight to my family in heaven. <laughs> you know, so there was something there always. There was some sort of openness there for me that might not have been there for other people. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there was there was something significant that I felt. There was a change that happened for me when there was hard things in life happening and somebody kind of said, Well, hey, you should pray about it and I did. And it significantly changed things. And because I felt that significant change, I wanted to understand more about why. So you just dove into it. Like yeah, sort of the I came back, I, I came, so this, I don't know if you know this whole story, but this was, um, uh, Carmen I was going through life mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. family was going through life. And, um, that was when I went to Vegas to go dancing with my dance group. And I, I was I about, remember that. I was like, mm, maybe, s- oh my gosh, I almost said a senior. I'm talking like an American. Senior. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I was in 12th grade yeah. graduating high school. Um, and there was something that felt really significant for me about being away from family and just what could happen. What if something happened? Because family yeah. and community felt like my my family felt so important to me. Um, and there was, yeah, so while I was there, somebody kind of said, well, hey, you should pray about it. And I did. And it significantly changed the way I felt about it. Or like the anxiety that I was feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was anxiety towards stuff happening in the family and anxiety about yourself and whatever is going on? Yeah, it was more, I think what was actually happening was there, I was, um, oh my gosh, this is so hard. I'm just going to start talking about Paula Vega for you, John. This is crazy. <laughs> I was. Well, talk I about was. whatever you're comfortable <laughs> with. <laughs> yes, silly. go for it. <laughs> yes. I, I want to hear this. Yes. Yeah. John said back, like, let's go. <laughs> um, um, I was just in a heightened state of anxiety all the time. So I was totally in this like... Yeah, but what was triggering it though? Um, not somebody going through their own story and I was worried about them. There was a lot Kay. of worry I had about them. Um, but it wasn't so much you... Well, I guess it is personal, but not something that's no, there was directly nothing for me affecting... Personally. No, there was okay. somebody that I loved dearly going through something really hard. Yeah. And I had a lot of concern for them. Mm-hmm. And I put a whole lot of... Um, energy into time it. Time and energy. And there was a ton of healing there for me. Um, and so I think at the point that I could come off of high alert then my body started to really feel what was actually happening inside of me. So That's I think what I was just talking survival about. state. Yeah. Yep. <coughs> Fight or flight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so once I could kind of settle in and what my body was actually experiencing and feeling, it came out with pretty significant anxiety, and it was about the people I love. And I, you know, I can't control that. I can't control what happens to people. And mm-hmm. suddenly I was in this anxious place. Um, and, and I could rationally... Um, tell myself that that was like silly. There's no point in worrying about these things. But I, my, you know, my body was still in the place that it was, mm-hmm. and so I think it was something that ended up, um, yeah, helping me process it through in a way that then brought a feeling of safety and community. Um, it like still, still not community yet. No, no, really, no. no. Interesting, because no. that's what I always hear. Like faith is like a lot of. Uh, so later like in life, yes, for me. But no, in mm-hmm. the beginning, for me, it was not that at all. You're, you're talking like specifically just prayer, right? Um, like in, in the beginning, it started, yeah, simply just prayer. And there was something very significant that happened in that process of prayer that um, I could literally feel the anxiety, like, release and ease. And so the shoulders drop, chest is like, oh, not a weight. Yeah, I wasn't, like, obsessively thinking about it. Um, you overthinking things? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. 
Um, I'm pretty good at that now. I don't do that as much. Um, <coughs> so yeah, I don't I don't know what we're talking about. So that probably <laughs> that's probably changed. <laughs> <laughs> that's not your experience with me. <laughs> that's not my experience with you. No. Um, yeah, so that really significantly has changed my life. Like I would say people that knew me then versus who would know me now. This process of faith for me over what? How many years is this now? Like mm, 12, probably 12 years. So when you say like... No, 14, 14 years. Like pray, like were you just like praying at night, being outspoken to whoever was listening? But you, were you going to, like, church yet? Were you, nope. were you, you're nothing nope. of that nope. yet. No, nope. no, So the process for me was literally um, praying. And, I mean, I was praying to God. And, and I think because of the environment I'm in, the culture I live in, God was God connected to Jesus, God, mm-hmm. um, Christian God. Um, but there was no rules around any of that at that time for me. It was a really just personal, relational mm-hmm. experience feeling. Um, so I would pray, and that changed the way I felt. I was aware of how significant that was. So when I came home from that trip, I was away for a month. Um, at the, I was like, whoa, there's something going on here that's, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's legit for me. Um, so I asked my friends, my friend who had said to me, like, hey, you should pray about it. Um, I was like, could we maybe do some sort of Bible study so I can understand what's happening here? You're like, why what am I doing? Like, yeah. What's happening? And that was that was where it started. And then Every Friday night, we'd get together and we'd do a Bible study. And um, again, what I've learned now, I think, is um, I think maybe I was lucky in a lot of ways that I started that way because it was with a group of four of us that um, were pretty all coming from fairly different places. Like one person, kind of their whole life had been um, wrapped up in a faith community, but not like a super... Uh, maybe super churchy life. Um, yeah. And then some of us were new. Some of us had kind of like, this is a surface level thing. So I think it just came really being able to just be who we were mm-hmm. and explore it kind of in a way that was really natural to what was actually happening inside of each of us rather than it having to follow really prescripted ways of being and what's right and what's wrong. And so I'm, I feel lucky that I could be really real from the beginning of mm-hmm. that walk for myself and haven't had to feel like, I need to fit within a certain box to be part of something. That's a good um, way to look at it. Not to be a certain way, just be you. Yeah, well, and I think that that's like what I think maybe um, I've discovered in the time since is that's not the experience for everybody. And then mm-hmm. for some people, that can be a really, really hard reality to to then like maybe have your own thoughts or unpack certain things. You're like, wait, what? And then not be able to do that because you're not in a community that that's okay to do that. Yeah, because it seems like I've met I've met people through the years where it's like they have to be like dependent on something, mm-hmm. like they can't like be by themselves mm-hmm. and like stuck with their thoughts because it like drives you fucking crazy. Yeah. So it's like that, like I said before, like that community feel. Mm-hmm. It's like where you can like go to someone and be like, "Hey, this is how I feel," mm-hmm. and they're like, oh, "Okay," and they have like words of wisdom, and you're like, "Oh, thanks." Mm-hmm. You know, you're like venting to someone, mm-hmm. but like that almost sounds like prayer. You're just venting out in the open, Mm -hmm. like by yourself, but you're getting it off your chest. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden that pressure just releases. Mm -hmm. And then you get into a group of girls Mm -hmm. where you're doing like your Bible studies on like a Friday night and you guys Mm -hmm. can shoot the shit back and forth and whatever it is. And you're just venting, Mm -hmm. like venting. And then you're learning something new, understanding why 
you feel the way you are, mm-hmm. which is which is great, really, in the end. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's pretty cool. Yeah, and I think there was something significant for me at the time of, um, uh, it. you know, life's not going to always work the way I want it to be necessarily, and I can't control that, and that's okay, and sometimes things happen, it works out the way it's meant to. Mm-hmm. Um, there, um, I think, again, an experience maybe that was, I mean, this is, I think, common for many people, but felt important and unique and special for me was that there was never like this promise of hard things not happening or Mm -hmm. life going a certain way if I became a Christian or if I, whatever. Um, But just there was a comfort there. It was, and, and I think for me, probably, you know, I've always had a really close and significant relationship to my dad. And so, I can, through my lens of what I, like, see my dad as, I could take this, like, fatherly, godly comforter, like, yeah, mm-hmm. I can't make life this way for you, but I'll be here with you. I'll be here for you. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll walk alongside you. Um, so I think that's the way I kind of experienced it, too, is this, like, relational thing. Yeah. Not just simply venting, but, like, ah, these are the deep, You're connecting the deep on a things different of my level. heart and, and... I'm also going to trust that it's going to be what it is and that's okay. It might not be perfect, but life will still be okay. And yeah. And these other things will come alongside and yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I was wanting to know that. I yeah. never I never knew. Yeah. I never knew. Yeah. yeah. And and then and then as far as the community piece goes, like later in life for me, I got to experience what it meant to be within a church community that yeah. um that was beautiful, a beautiful thing to be in a community where um, you, like, get each other because you're, um, like, you have this shared vision, this shared goal, this shared value, this thing that matters deeply. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and there is, like, churches often do a really beautiful job of supporting and walking through life together and being in each other's lives and yeah. yeah yeah i've only gone to church i think once really grade nine wow remember my buddy jesse yeah sure do yeah you had a crush ah. on him yeah <laughs> sorry john <laughs> um oh he he was like his family was like really religious and i was yeah. like he's like dude just come with us once and i was like okay mm-hmm. i was like whatever because we played soccer together and we used to you know sleepovers and stuff and i went once and they're all standing up singing and i'm just sitting there like huh Mm-hmm. nope it's <laughs> like i'm good <laughs> I, like, I had an interesting I experience <laughs> I was like yeah i'm good yeah i had an interesting experience recently because when you like go into it and you choose it mm. it like makes sense to you but i recently had experience when i when i went somewhere and i think maybe it was a different church i think i talked to you about it um and i i i was like standing back like i like what it would be like for you. Someone like me, yeah, yeah. or yeah. like you know, when I've asked my family to come, and it's kind of like I can see when you're not in it, like the like, awkwardness, you're like, what this the feels f- like the twilight zone, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and like, how do you, how do you not do that? Because, well, it's just instant judgment. You're like, what the hell are you guys doing? Like instant judgment for you. Yeah, yeah. I, I yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I find I find religion like really interesting because mm-hmm. it can be so powerful and like change your life in like yeah. the positive kind of way but yeah. then at the same time it can be 
the creator of a lot of wars, like most wars mm-hmm. on the planet mm-hmm. over religion. Yeah, that's something but I'm really wanting to learn more about is the history of religion now. That's something. Yeah, like where it came about. from, why did it like, you know, because it's literally all based off faith. It seems like mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's an interesting to see how it's all been built up through the ages and mm-hmm. um, how many times something's been rewritten. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, okay, mm-hmm. like I've watched a lot of documentaries on like cults and stuff. I'm like mm-hmm. this shit's crazy. Mm-hmm. Like some people like go off the deep end. You know, you watch Wild Wild Country. Like you should watch that on Netflix. It's crazy. Is that the Alaska one? No, they were actually in Oregon, mm. and. uh is I can't explain it because it's like a seven-part series, but it's like super interesting to learn about. It's it's just it's really interesting to see how, like how everyone is so different, and how their minds work. Uh, and then you watch something and you're like, how did you believe that? Like that is crazy okay. culty stuff. And they're like, this is amazing and all this. It's like this guy's sleeping with every one of your guys' yeah. wives here. Yeah. Like, yeah. what are you talking about? Like, yeah. it's just really interesting. It's fascinating to learn about, but it's just yeah, something I never got into i don't know the thorn family i don't think was really religious anyways but yeah i don't know like do i believe I, I believe in something mm-hmm. i don't know what it is mm-hmm. like do i believe in that i'll see some of the friends that were close to me after i die it's like hopefully because mm-hmm. i've had crazy dreams like mm-hmm. really vivid dreams about people have passed away and i'm like ah, you're like still alive mm-hmm. but you're just like can't see you on an everyday mm-hmm. basis right mm-hmm. so i think i believe there i think there is life after death mm-hmm. but do i believe in like heaven and hell and god it's like I, I don't know yeah like i can't i can't really say like no that doesn't exist mm-hmm. because i have no proof yeah but then someone's like well there is ex- there is a god it's like okay we'll prove it mm-hmm. you know everything's based on faith mm-hmm. whatever you believe in that's fine if it betters you in your life mm-hmm. great mm-hmm. do what you want to do Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't it doesn't bug me. And that's why I wanted to, like, ask you, I'm like, mm-hmm. why did you do this? Because I, I just want to understand it. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to judge, but I just want to understand it better. Yeah. So it's just interesting to me. One of the biggest questions I've had for a long time, because I've had a few friends who, you know, like they they grow up that way and then they mm. reach a point at some point where there becomes this like bitter hardness towards it. Um, and like there's a lot that's really beautiful about faith and um and how do you like not do that to your own kids? Right? <laughs> like mm-hmm. how do how do you help foster this um, sense of hope and um, trust and like ways to find wisdom and uh, you, like the pieces that for me that are very meaningful mm-hmm. about faith, but not under this really. Um, This is the way, and yeah, there's no other way, and and and, yeah. and just what then that does to somebody then when they have to like separate from their parent and figure out their own thoughts. And, yeah. Um. So how how do you find that balance? Um, like I think kids, you can mold so easily. So when it comes to like faith and religion, like you can twist a kid's head into literally believing anything. Hundred percent. That's because like, like they have to stay safe to be like you because you're their leader. You're yeah. the one that keeps like them I think safe. was it Ricky Gervais? I, I think I watched like a five minute video of him explaining like, you know, at such a young age, it's almost. And this, again, this isn't my opinion, but at such a young age, it's like almost wrong to introduce kids to religion because you can like totally twist their heads mm-hmm. into believing something that's so crazy because you're a part of this crazy culture. You need to wait for your child to grow up to make his own decisions on what he wants to know and not know and to study and all that type of stuff and to understand like 
you guys believe in this, but like, where, where's the evidence? This this book has been rewritten 500 times through history, and you believe this because some king changed it the way he thought it should be, mm-hmm. and now you want your kid to believe in this only because you believe in this? And he was like questioning, like, should kids be brought into religion at such a young age? Mm-hmm. And it was like some really good points, but like I can't argue against mm-hmm. it or whatever it is. But mm-hmm. it was just interesting how he was wording mm-hmm. it, and it's some of it sort of like made sense. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. oh, you know what? That sort of makes sense. Yeah. But, yeah. but I think the thing that would be the case for a lot of parents in that place that have really, str- and this could be of any religion, of any really strong mm-hmm. faith system yourself, yeah. that then it's terrifying the thought that your kid wouldn't because there's then significant consequences if they don't, if that's what you believe. If you believe, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so um, that's, a, that's a tricky one it's a slippery for a lot slope. of people to walk. Yeah, mm-hmm. like it's a slippery slope when it comes to like your beliefs and like, religion or health or what you should be eating and they're like it and then it gets politicized and you're on this team you're on that team and you're like mm-hmm. okay can't we just get along mm-hmm. <laughs> like figure your shit out and just get along you know mm-hmm. what i mean mm-hmm. but yeah it's interesting stuff yeah thoughts john <laughs> 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 daniel knows that's a, a loaded question um, <laughs> yeah i mean uh you know as far as cults and and religion and just you know, what is religion? What are these things? You know, one way to understand it is just they're um, a system of beliefs that's an explanation for reality, and that explanation keeps us safe. And mm-hmm. so, uh, you know, if you look at kind of like what's going on really in a lot of these groups, there's there's a lot of fear that's kind of actually controlling things. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fear is like, if you don't believe this, this will be the case. <laughs> yeah. It might be hell or... You know, if I don't sleep with all of your wives, like the world will end, you know, or whatever that, yeah. you know, there's some like there's some something that's going on there that gets people to um, like, wow, like, yeah, I need to believe this because it'll keep me safe. Yeah. But once you're in it, the r- beautiful thing that these people experience is that they are safe, you know, like everything fear there. Yeah. I mean, it's a sort of a weird paradox, but, you know, they're. They're safe um, because there's an explanation for everything. Mm-hmm. Everything has this explanation. Hello, like Katie. We're, uh, we might be getting summoned <laughs> for <laughs> something here. <laughs> Anyways. Oh, Danielle left. Kids are inside the house. Continue, John. I'm interested to hear your, your thought on this. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, there's, you know, if we're trying to understand how something like a cult exists or, like, why religion is so powerful, it's, um, it, they provide really, really powerful explanations for reality. And, and that makes life very predictable. Mm-hmm. And if life's predictable, it's very safe. You know, so if you kind of know this person's in, this person's out, if I believe this, I go to heaven. If I don't, you know, yeah. then I don't. And, um uh, this is the answer for this. You just need to pray for this. And th- th- there's, you know, there's a lot of like security in that. But to me, that sounds like it's dictated by fear. It's, yeah, which is so not like a correct way to live is to live in fear. That's such a, to me, like a shitty way to live. Yeah. It's yeah. So yeah, there's, there's both like a sense of security, but there's also like the consequences if you break out of that group are big. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's the fear part. So you're kind of kept in it. You're kind of kept safe as long as you don't disagree with the leaders, as long as you don't believe something else, then you're safe. And it's like building up but a giant wall. There's, and if yeah. you leave that protection of the wall, you're on your own. See ya. Yeah, or maybe you're going to be persecuted by the people in your group. 
Yeah, that's what like, it seems like Scientology is. Like, if you leave the group or talk about the group, like, they'll try and, like, ruin your life. Yeah. Like, it's... I've seen, I've seen like, a, quite a few documentaries on it. It's just, like, mind-boggling. Like, it's crazy. Yeah, so there's a lot of, um, like, um, control through fear. You mm-hmm. know, a lot of, a lot of um, manipulation through fear. And the leaders themselves, I don't think they're, you know, they're also kind of, you know, they're, they're afraid, <laughs> you know, really. Yeah, yeah I've, I've always found religion fascinating. And it's because maybe I didn't grow up in it at all. And maybe, like, when I was younger, I probably judged it way more. Where now, like, I, like, question it. Like, how I sort of asked Danielle, like, why did you do it? Like, I'm not here to judge you. You did it because you clearly needed help in your life and you found it. And that's great. But why did you turn towards religion instead of like therapist or having a good conversation with a friend or you know whatever it may be like you have to find something like deeper that's so popularized throughout the entire world you know it's just interesting i don't know i don't understand all all of it there's something really powerful about being part of a group of people and you all believe the same thing and have the same values i'll say it's like (laughs) political parties the same it's pretty much a religion anyways yeah, like yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> you hate on the other one, uh huh, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, you know who's in and who's out. You know yeah. what you believe is right and what they believe is wrong. Yeah, like even when it comes to food, it's the same thing. You have different communities of like paleo and carnivore and keto, and then you got vegan. It got all these different types of ways you should eat. No, you have to eat like this. And it's like, well, like that works for you, but not for me. I'm in a different situation. If you want to eat carnivore, it's going to be an expensive ass way to eat. <laughs> it's like it's all meat, you know, but. It's all about choosing sides. I don't know if that is clearly that's coming through these days. Is it's not you can't be on one side or the other. And I think a lot more people are coming out where it's like, I, I agree with what you're doing here and I agree with what you're doing here. And I'm just gonna walk this middle line and all of a sudden you get judged because you're in the middle. Yeah. You're like you guys are both sort of like so one sided. You need to be open minded. I think more people these days especially need to be open minded and not just listen to one source. And that this is the right way. This is what this is wrong. This is bad. If you do this, you're a bad person. You know, you need to be open minded and accept everyone's argument and then have a conversation about it and then figure out what's best. But now it's just your lane and that's what you stay to. Yeah, that's uh, like at a lot of faith traditions, the, the heart of them really is kind of a, a love. And that love is um, a love that's able to listen to both sides mm-hmm. and then probably come to like some new place. Yeah, you know, it's not this. It's not this. It's 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 something else. Yeah, because did you take philosophy? Is that what you took? Uh, so I actually have a master's degree in theology. Theology. Uh huh. So what's what is theology? Theology is. I mean, you have um, different faith traditions would have different theologies, right? So there's a general sense, but there's also Christian theology. Okay. You know, which is trying to understand um, uh, how you understand God, I guess, you know, and how God fits into the picture of life. And So you've studied, like, a lot of this then? Yeah, I've Be- studied religions, philosophy. I studied, uh, I was a classics major in undergrad. Classics is um, sort of the, the roots of Western civilization. So the Greeks and the Romans and, you know, these, like, foundations, like, where did democracy come? You know, well, you can kind of trace that back to these ideas that are in the, the Greeks and the Romans and did a lot of stuff come from the Greeks and Romans when it came to, like, political views and religious views? A lot of what we're living with today in the West, yeah, that's the origins of it. You know, like, words like the Senate, you know, you go back, what's the Senate? Well, that's, you know, the, the, the Romans had a Senate. 
Interesting. And you think, do you think that's one of the problems these days is because we've had these traditions forever that they're so like, some of them could be wrong. Some of them are still working sort of okay, but you know, trying to choose someone, say like the United States, like trying to choose one person as your president to, to make the right choices for 350 plus million people. Is that the correct way to do it now? Or is that sort of flawed now? Cause clearly I don't know yeah. if that's the correct way to do it anymore. Yeah, or would it be better to have a benevolent monarch, you know? Yeah, <laughs> like you have groups, because uh, every state is different, because COVID's definitely brought that out, where every state is like, no, we don't care anymore, do what you want, and or other states are like, no, like New York, you need a vaccine to freaking go anywhere. You know, like everyone's yeah. sort of different, but it's all sort of governed from, like, it's the government in a way, like the Biden administration or whatever it is. But it's such like an old school way of thinking. But to try and now to change that process of decision making to see who could be the leader, it seems like it's flawed now, even in in Canada. Like Trudeau just calls an election when he wants. It's like, what? What? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it seems like it's an old school way of thinking. Yeah. For me, it's been really refreshing to learn about um, indigenous ways of knowing and then things that are non-Western. Yeah. ways of doing things um you know you have um i i i read uh nelson mandela's um long walk to freedom and he describes the scene when he was a, a kid um and he's sitting his dad i think his dad died so he was um, um at a young age like kind of went to live with this other father person that was let's bring that mic just a uh, little yeah. closer there you go <laughs> he's living with this father person who um is some kind of um, leader, right, in the, yeah. the local tribe. And he describes how, like, the, the way that they would do things is, like, um, that father person would sit, and then all the you know, farmers, different people would come, mm-hmm. and they would stay there, you know, from the beginning of the day until the end, until every single person had been able to share. And uh, it, things weren't brought to a resolution until, like, every person had shared and it wasn't like, you know, majority rule. Like, everyone kind of had to come to some kind of agreement. You couldn't just leave these voices out yeah. of it. You know, not 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 democracy. <laughs> yeah. You know, where it's like the like, majority rules. But how would you do that these days? Like, how would you voice everyone's opinion? Because clearly people are doing that on social media, and it's a clusterfuck. <laughs> like, yeah, you. I mean, you, you, you can't, can't, right? You can't. Um, but... Yeah, I think there's just there's been these other ways of doing things, and they're they're refreshing. Just even dif- it's it's a different way of looking at things, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I, as far as I understand, um, in some of the indigenous um, traditions, the, you have like Europeans that came over to the U.S. and they're kind of saying like, "Oh, this person's your chief. They're your they're you know they're your leader." Mm-hmm. But you know, maybe it actually wasn't quite sort of this like hierarchy like you know was in europe it might have been that's that person's role but it's more like a circle and there's like each person in the circle has a different role mm-hmm. and all of those are like really important roles yeah and like together that's like what creates this you know functioning group is that it's not just a one person show that's ruling it you know you have every person contribute something and it's and it's a different gift that they bring see that's what makes the most sense is like you have your different political parties where you could vote like three or five members from each group to then work together as a core group mm-hmm. to then make the best decisions for whatever state province country whatever it is that seems like 
more of like a better way of approaching sort of like politics. And I don't know shit about politics, but to me, that's what makes the most sense. Europe's got like France has a different system. There's there's definitely some different systems out there, mm-hmm. you know, that aren't um, the you know. And I'm most familiar with the U.S. of course, but yeah, um, it's entertaining to watch. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I hear about it all the time. I'm like, what the hell's going on? Yeah, what is, what is going on there? Yeah, <laughs> yes. it just doesn't make any yeah. sense. Like, you, you, like, do you follow like a lot of the politics, or is it just so like mind boggling? You're like, I don't have time for this. I I stay somewhat, you know, disconnected. Following, but yeah, it's you know, like it's it's even from not being in the states and how much I hear on podcasts about what's happening in the states, I'm just like, oh my god, like. How do you keep up with this? He said this, and she did this, and he's not wearing his mask, and he fell asleep at this meeting. And it's like, there's just so much noise. Yeah. It's like, I'm not shocked that people are more disconnected from this than than ever. Because it's just it's so much noise, and people have such mm-hmm. busy lives. It's like, how am I supposed to, who do I vote? Like, who do I trust? Is, who, yeah. What do I do? Mm-hmm. Like, it's so much cluster. So much it's, cluster. It's a lot of noise. Yeah. It's, it's mm-hmm. like the... Imagine what the world's going to be 20, 30 years when there's so much more people and more chaos and all that type of shit. I just can't imagine what it's going to be like. Yeah. Well, yeah. It, it really seems that we're in an age where a lot of the old paradigms and ways of doing things are, are shifting. And yeah. It's just becoming more and more apparent that these ways that we've been doing things are just, they're not working. You yeah. Know? They're actually like more Damaging. than not working. They're, yeah, they're dysfunctional. Yeah. And... <laughs> It's like a you know a system loop that's just out of control. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be. I don't know. <laughs> like I, I try like, like I've been told before, like oh you should sort of know what's going on and stuff. I'm like, how can I? Who do I listen to? That's not gonna be lying through their teeth just because they're on this team and just because that person's on that team and mm-hmm. that's the bad. Like who do who do I listen to? You know, like when I, like I know who to listen to. I guess when it comes to like American politics, like was it Sauger? And someone else, like it's they're opposite opposing, but they're on the same uh, like platform. They tell it like how it is and stuff, and it's like really informative. Um, but like for Canadian politics, I don't, I have no idea, I have no clue how to, who to listen to, who to trust. You know, who do you vote for? I'm like, I don't, I honestly don't know. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'll be 35 in a couple of weeks, and I don't know shit. I'm just like, is that a bad thing or is that a good thing? I, I, I don't know. I think it's more important to know what's going on in your community because from what I know about politics, I can't change anything that happens in Canada. But if I can try and change something in my community, that's where you can sort of start, I guess, in a way. Mm-hmm. Right? But, yeah, I don't, I don't know anything. That might sound bad, but it's true. <laughs> I'm too busy. I'm too busy in life to worry about all that type of stuff. I, I really don't know. The, the podcast is how you're, uh, like, changing things, right? <laughs> yeah, we'll see. <laughs> I'll probably listen to this one and be like, oh, you, you sound so stupid again. <laughs> but, okay, well, we should wrap her up because uh, I think I have to get back inside. Yeah. Katie took was, off to the um, birthday party, but uh, I appreciate you coming on, man. Yeah. Danielle, Danielle went already went inside the house. <laughs> but uh, hope you enjoyed the sauna. The cold I plunge, man. the sauna very much, yeah. Yeah, if you guys are ever up on the weekend again, just... Pop ice, go in the sauna, man. It's on all the time. I'll take you up on that. Yeah. (laughs) Well, thanks again, and I hope you guys uh, enjoy this episode. And, uh, yeah, see you on the next one.